to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empower you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I am Francine Belayi, your host, digital and change strategist, specialized in personal branding. I am also a speaker and author of the book, Personal Branding in the Digital Age, How to Become a Non-Expert, Thrive and Make a Difference in a Connected World. I am super thrilled to bring you inspirational stories, strategies, and practical tips to get more meaning in your work and in your life, earn more money, and lead a movement to change the world. I am on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs who struggle to attract their ideal clients. When they work with me, they find a clear, profound message that positions them as an authority in their field, easily attract their ideal clients and impact thousands of people globally. One of the biggest problems I see with purpose-driven entrepreneurs is that They've got big ideas and great vision. But when you look at their brand, you can't see any of that. Which means they are putting all this work, their heart and their soul into it, but they are not really seeing the return because nobody knows what they do. It doesn't have to be that way. And I would love to help you with that. I am offering a mini brand audit session so I can look at where you are with your brand where you want to be and together we look at the biggest things that are getting in your way. It is completely free and it's 30 minutes that can radically change the way you see your brand and how others see it as well. To apply for a mini brand audit, go to francinebelli.com slash audit. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash audit. I'd love to know a little bit more about yourself. Who are you? My lovely listeners who are listening to me. I'd like to learn a little bit more about you, what you love, what you, um, who you are, where you are when you are listening to this podcast. So I have a podcast survey on my website, francinebelly.com slash podcast. And then you're going to find a button, which is survey. And I'd like to um, let me know actually who you are and, um, you know, what's you um, like about this uh, podcast so I can uh, best serve you. Now, here is the part two of my conversation with uh, Mega Bradley. So enjoy. So tell me, uh, you also mentioned that there are three key abundance blockers and you cite mm-hmm. shame, unworthiness and judgment. Mm-hmm. Can you tell our listeners what those things are and how they fits into this conversation (laughs) well for one um the vibrational frequency of them is uh, there's actually been a measurement on a scale like like a scientist i'm a part scientist so there is a frequency scale of vibrational energy and shame and fear and guilt are the lowest frequencies. Like if there's a, it goes from zero to 700 and 700 is unconditional love, pure God, peace, all that beautiful stuff and that we aim at. Mm. But oftentimes we get stuck down in shame, blame, guilt, fear, judgment, all that stuff. And the thing is, is that because it's vibrational, even if we are operating in it, 
and we put on a nice happy face and look good, <laughs> it frequency-wise, we are we're receptors of frequency. And that blocks the reception of higher frequency to come amplify abundance in our lives. And as a result of that, we stay in the scarcity and in the, I don't have enough, the not enoughness. We always have enough. Hmm. And um, enough is um, my part of my, one of the other things I do is something called gene keys, which is actually look at the DNA makeup of who we are. And um, my, like life's work is super abundance. And it's to understand that the word super abundance means <clears throat> you're okay with nothing or everything. And either one is okay. And, and so many times when we go with the shame and the judgment and the fear and the guilt, we're blocking more from coming to us. It's like armor, it's mm -hmm. like a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that, and, and I talked about this in that discussion where I met you, mm. it's about, it's in our DNA. It is given to us by our ancestors. They didn't mean to give it to us, but as much as we have the eye color and the hair color that we have, we also inherit sometimes the beliefs that are associated to that particular family lineage. And that's why you see families suffer with repetitions of addictions mm -hmm. and and, you know, no matter what, how much success every single person, like uh, pick on the Kennedys for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you look at the Kennedy history, it's like every Kennedy, no matter how successful and brilliant and wonderful they are, have met with horrible and tragic downfalls. Yeah. And you have to go, okay, what's the common pattern here? Oh, there has got to be an ancestral agreement that's running the Kennedy dynasty. They can attract all the money and wealth and wonderfulness in the world. And then I think, uh, what, three or four weeks ago, one of the Kennedy uh, daughter-in-laws died, drowned, oh, and oh the son. Oh, my gosh. And it's like every time you turn around, it's like, oh. And so the thing is, is that with abundance, because abundance is not just money, many times people go immediately go to money. And um, by the way, there's a great book on this subject, and it's um, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, no, I will write that down. This sort of money, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and and it really talks about, you know, collectively from a humanitarian, from an entire humanity standpoint, what is what is abundance and what is money, and what does it mean to be able to have enough, and ultimately those blockers that we talked about are the things that keep us from actually having the rain soak into the ground that is that is brought to us. That's where if you make $10,000, suddenly you spent 12,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or you are ashamed that you have the money because mm. maybe someone else doesn't have money. And so mm -hmm. now you're ashamed to be who you are because you're afraid that someone else will judge you for having what you have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a common one. Yes. Um, sort of like survivor's guilt is another mm -hmm. version of that. Mm. Oh my God, I, they died, I'm alive. Mm -hmm. You will even believe me that even during this protest, protest, this morning I heard in America, someone, I can't remember which state it was, this lady actually, she said that 
yesterday she wasn't able to go protesting. I think she protested the day before, but yesterday she wasn't able. And then she said, and then I saw people who were less able than me protesting and I was guilty. And then today I turned <laughs> up again <laughs> to protesting. I was just like, oh, sweet you, but you know, and the guilt, she, you know, made her to come out and protest again. <laughs> well, I, I am about to actually go write a letter. So I, you know, I step into the race conversation, but here we are um, related to that mm. about shame. Mm. There's a big piece of it right now in, really? in America. There's a huge thing going on. And, you know, um, again, I stand in the middle of the road, right? Like I can look on both sides, <laughs> look on both yes. sides of the privacy <laughs> fence. Exactly. And one of the things that I'm watching in some of these Facebook groups that I belong to is uh -huh. that they're literally the white people berating <laughs> each other about not being sensitive enough because they're not posting enough guilt or, um, or you haven't, you haven't posted enough in this group about how bad you feel to be white. And, and I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. So now it's oh. about the white people just be guilty not to support enough. How much is enough? I'm like, Oh, so you have to take your judgment of this other race yes. and now you're going to turn it on each other because now, because the root of the problem is the root of the problem. The root of the problem is your issues and attachments to judgment. It's not which color of the skin or which religion or what, like, no, your problem is now you want to turn around and judge the other people who look the same as you because and you have to find a place to put the judgment bag. Exactly. And that is what brought us there in the first place. That was <laughs> the judgment that made this first root cause happen in the first exactly. place. Oh, well, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, mm, wow. Yeah. Yes. So yes. Yeah. So let's let go back to yes, your blockers. So you were just really explaining those, and uh, yes, uh, and then those very lowest frequencies. How uh -huh. do we raise them actually, or how do we unblock them? I know that this is like a deep process, right? So maybe <laughs> like just five minute version. Of okay. It. Yeah. Well, the the snapshot version <laughs> is uh, a process that I give to everyone, and it is not my process, but I love it, and I think if the whole world could do it, it would mm -hmm. help everybody. Yeah. And it's Ho'onopono. Are you, are you familiar with Ho'onopono? Ho'onopono. No. How do you spell um, that? Ho'ono. <clears throat> oh, okay. H O apostrophe O P O N. Oh, I don't know. Try okay. So do, do Google Hawaiian forgiveness process. Okay. Okay. I will do <laughs> um, Joe Vitale, I think it's Joe, or Joe, I can't remember. It's one of the Joes. Okay. Um, the yes, there are so many Joes, Joe dispensers. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's one of the Joes. One of the Joes. Um, but it's, it's about, it, it, it's really in the line of that. I'm sorry. So even if you don't go Google it, here's the notes. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Those four statements. That's it. And it's that you look at any judgment you have of another person and you start to say those four things. Yeah. Because Wait what is it? In I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Thank you. And I love you. I love you. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's, the, that's the low budget version of this. And it works better probably than any amount of coaching that anybody can give you. Um, <clears throat> because 
every time somebody pulls in front of you in traffic and you want to go, da, 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 well, I will probably still go, da, 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 and then I'm like, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. What is it about that person that, that really made me want to judge them? Um, <laughs> what part of me, what part of me is agitated? So this is like another piece that I give people. What part of me feels bothered, agitated, judged, shamed, whatever, by that person's action? Mm. And in Jungian psychology, there's parts integration uh, psychology, which is that we have parts of our psyche. There is a part of me who to this day cannot stand people who roll over and give up their power. Well, it's the part of me that lost my power. I know what part it is. So if I then go, oh, you know what? What do I have to do to bring myself back into alignment? Stop judging them. Come back to what part of me do I not like? Yes. Because it's a 100%, you are 100% responsible. Yeah. Uh, Jack Canfield taught me this one. You are 100% responsible for everything that happens in your life. And of course, immediately, I, I, it's like popcorn, right? Now someone's listening to this going, oh, no, 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 no. Yes. And you are 100% responsible up to the point of everything you do to react to it, mm. which means you're completely in control of your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that one's, that one's a, a personal journey. So those are some things. Those are some Yes. Easy that, to use tools. Yes, that, that is really powerful, especially the, the, you know, not reacting bit is like people say, yeah, no, but the person say, but I say, yes, everybody has the power to react to the event. It's not the event itself. So one event will happen, three different people react totally differently mm -hmm. and have totally different outcome. And it's not really about the event. And Viktor Frankl, me, my reference is really yeah. Viktor Frankl, um, yeah. um, you know, um, a book that I wrote, read um, a few years ago that really made me realize that. And also in my change management type of background, where we always say it's not the event itself, it's how you react to the event or mm -hmm. how you choose to react. We always have a control between the yes. event and our reaction to it. So, and also you say that out of all those three blockers, shame is really the lowest vibration. Yes. Why, why is that? And that one is particularly something that I also ask a question about. But can you tell us a little bit more about shame as well? Shame. Shame is the lowest vibration because of the fact that when you are coming and operating out of shame, you are magnetizing those higher remember that if it's the lowest point, you've got fear, guilt, anger. Anger is actually a pretty spiritual spot, actually. I mean, it's a midway up the frequency chain. And the funny thing is, is that's the one you're like, oh, no, 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 don't get angry. They get shamed for being angry. Like, oh, let's drive that back down. Shame is insidious. It is self-destructive. It will eat you alive from the inside and a whole other theory that I really hold to is that oftentimes cancer, and I get this from having been a hospice, I used to do massage therapy on hospice patients, and shame and guilt, um, and especially the shame, is often the thing that makes people continuously do everything they do out of the fear of being judged by others. And so this that we're seeing in that lowest vibrational frequency is that we can't even get angry enough to solve the problem. We can't even get upset enough to come to our truth because we are sitting down in shame. And so shame will cause people to kill each other. Yeah. It will cause people to kill themselves. 
It will cause people to eliminate their families in every way, alienation, um, hiding from, from people, from not making money because they're afraid to ask what they're worth. I mean, there is every single, like if you were to take the human ills of the world and you go back to shame, shame is the thing that destroys the essence of our soul's potential right where we're standing. How do we get out of it? <laughs> Through that whole forgiveness process? Because if well, we can yes, get... let me say that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. You can do that to yourself. Even if you're not ready to go do it on anyone else, you do it on yourself over and over. Mm. And forgive yourself for the choices that you've made. Forgive yourself for the relationship that you chose to be in. Forgive yourself for the way that your relationship is with your parents. Forgive yourself for maybe any time in the, again, because race conversation is hot. Forgive yourself for the times that you decided to be racist inside your own head because half the time people are up in judgment because they're shamed. They're ashamed of their own insidious stuff that's been in the closet and they know it's still in their closet. But if you can own it, mm. um, you know, the thing is, is that part of the bias of humanity is that we look at others who are different than us. And it's like, uh, if I can rightfully say I have judge, I have judgments. I have judgments against people in my own family to this day. I know I have them. Put me around them for an extra two days. I'll have more, um, you know, but I can own that. That's my judgment. Mm. It doesn't become I don't like you because of that. It's like, I recognize I judge you. And so if I'm ashamed that I have a judgment, mm. then I don't even get to honestly forgive or apologize mm -hmm. because I'm so ashamed. Of it. Mm. And so shame is a, is a toxic ball of destruction and it will cause you to do those things up the chain. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. That's really, yes, uh, powerful to understand that. And I thought that it was very important to explain that bit. And um, yes, uh, all those uh, tools that we can all, you know, um, use. It, it, it sounds very difficult to do, especially like I think that family is the most difficult one. <laughs> family, yeah. family is a personal development exercise. <laughs> exactly. And I think that I do believe now, I actually truly believe that now that we choose our family to learn our lessons. I tell you. <laughs> and we have to learn those lessons to be quite evolved to understand that those are some teachings that we have to learn rather mm -hmm. than being, um, you know, reacting also or being uh, frustrated about all those things. Say, why am I having this family? Everybody else has a nice family. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can tell you in the work I do, if I could give one piece of comfort to every single person out there that almost every single person that I work with it is on rare occasion that we get someone who's actually got a boring family, but usually really? somewhere in the family, there has been addiction. There has been some sort yeah. of abuse. There has been some sort of human shadow yes. that exists. And oftentimes people think, Oh, it's just my family. It's like, yes. no, actually yes. that's just the case of being a human being. Yes. 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 We can't <laughs> just judge by appearances or what actually is, uh, but we never know what's really is going behind people's door yeah. and uh, all the dramas and things that actually are Fold and yeah. Uh, yeah, so that if it, that is a piece of comfort, you know, to know that yeah. it's not just for families, <laughs> everybody's got it going on. Very, very few don't, and then they're usually really peaceful, and you're like, 
Oh, I'm there, there, relief now. <laughs> there are there are some people that are like really no my life is fine and I'm like you've done a lot of work or you just were born with a with a nice peaceful soul agreement like you just came here to enjoy life like exactly. but the most human beings came with a soul agreement that they don't even know that they have a soul agreement what? they don't even know yeah. Half of them don't know they have a soul I mean like that could go a layer further yeah do you know <laughs> do you how, how, what do you think that is the percentage of people who just came back to enjoy themselves? What, what, what would that be percentage will be? My gosh, uh, about 1.1%, really. Yeah, I think that's the 1%. I think that's, <laughs> well, people, that's the actual 1%. <laughs> You know, I've, I've met some of them and they, really? and they, um, yeah, I've actually met, and I, I have a couple of friends who fall into that category. Like they, mm. They really are um, very zen. Like they, they, they almost aren't here on the planet. Like I mean, they're here and they're in the, but they just, they just go. Oh, I don't need that. I don't mm. like. Uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Like they, they just can't ruffle them up because they're here as teachers a lot of times. Mm. Like they, they, they observe humanity and go. Hmm. <laughs> Do you understand what you're doing? And, you know, they're also the ones oftentimes who are, uh, you know, they don't necessarily live long lives either. Mm. Um, You know, from a soul perspective, if we think about, um, I mean, Gandhi lived a long life, but sometimes they come here in unconditional love Mm. and we we grieve their loss. Mm. Some of them are here to change the planet and Mm. they're not concerned about whether or not they're like, accumulate anything mm. you know like we go oh you know you must not mm. you must be a loser you know you you live without a home and it's like well yeah. maybe i've determined that spiritual but my spiritual identity and my material identity are completely separate and they just yeah. look at you and go i don't know why that's a problem for you right back <laughs> to judgment right exactly. um, so <laughs> so i don't yeah. know the actual percentage there's people who study soul like soul work especially obviously yeah. i study soul work but mm-hmm. um you know, it's part of the pres- the presentation of being here is that we're here to experience. And again, I, what I talk about is stuff that sometimes bumps right up against people that are Christian listening to this going, oh, no, that's not it. You know, the soul gets one time and it's the fiery lake of death or it's heaven. It's like, well, okay, keep believing that. If you want, that's fine. I don't, you know, that's not my, my experience. <laughs> Having witnessed soul healing, I, I don't believe that. Um, what, and, would you, what do you believe that uh, it souls just kind of turn back around? How how does that work? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, and I don't quite believe the whole reincarnation, like you eat a cow, you become a cow kind of thing. Like there's that, uh, that's not my, my lane. Um, my experience, and I, and when I started at this, just like, you know, whether or not aliens exist and all this, like you have to kind of start with, okay, there's people that say this, but what is the actual proof? Mm-hmm. What is the experience that happens and uh, one of the things that I came to study, and it was an early healing process for me, is called soul retrieval. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the work I do. I actually do soul retrieval. It's just I've never been officially trained in soul mm-hmm. retrieval. So I don't mm-hmm. say I'm a soul retrieval mm-hmm. expert. But soul retrieval means that there are fragments of your soul that have been disintegrated from your whole soul, mm-hmm. which, you know, they literally have found that when you die, you're actually 21 grams lighter or something like that. Like it, it, there's a, that's a scientific thing, right? Like, there is there is a thing called a soul, whatever that is. It's an energetic frequency that weighs a certain amount. Okay. And 
So the soul, the thing is, is that people get real icky around the soul thing because it edges right up against the fact that there's a whole other dimension that there's, there's, you know, well, why would I possibly want to be good in this life if I could just pick another suit and try again? But the truth of the matter is that the things that I have experienced and learned and understood, and I was raised as a, as a Hare Krishna, as a, hin, as a Hindu of sorts, okay. so it's the monotheistic Hindu. And I am now a Christian by choice. So I, I like literally, like everything else, stand on both sides of the road. Um, and one of the things that I have come to understand about soul and through my own healing was that, you know, I had all these, these issues with like betrayal in my life. Mm. And then I found out that like six lives back, my sister had killed me and burned me at a stake or something wow. crazy like that. And I was mm -hmm. like, but then it, but the thing was, is that the message that the soul had for what that experience was, was it was playing out as betrayal in my life. And in the work that I do as a healer, as a, as a theta healer, I know I've thrown out all these modalities, but this is mm -hmm. how I got to where I am, mm -hmm. is that I can literally get memory visions from people's families. Like sometimes it gives, it, there's stuff that happens in the healing that I actually witness things. And then when I tell the person about it, they're like, that's like three generations back on my family side, blah, 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 blah. It's in the cellular structure. Mm. And then we look at the soul comes in and picks its surroundings, its breakdown, like the bad family or the good family or the whatever, to fix, to resolve what it couldn't do in its current existence. Yeah. And so my belief is that the soul which is connected to and part of divine source, creator God. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe that's a multi multiple choice answer. I just think that humans label it by a different term that best yeah. suits mm -hmm. their form of yeah. understanding. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and that in that way, we are connected to that source, which is why we keep going back for the God spark. You know, that's like, mm. we're drawn to it. Even when someone has, who is a complete atheist. I've had people who are complete atheists who, um, will literally still do the look up and go, why did this happen to me? I'm like, I don't know what you're looking up at, but you know, there's, um, because there is still, we are still connected to a radio tower. I don't care what you want to call it or mm -hmm. what you want to, what dogma you want to wrap around it. And mm -hmm. so if the soul mm -hmm. carries with it each an individualistic experience and in the fingerprints and we do scientific hand analysis because the fingerprints are no two human beings on this planet have the same configuration of fingerprints. Yeah. That's why they take it, <laughs> uh, you know, all those passports and things to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so my long-term study of the soul in this journey from reading the Mahabharata when I was a little kid to reading the Bible in the most recent years of my life, to looking at the messages, to looking at the soul experience, it is that that soul is, is a infinite or semi-infinite, meaning it could eventually expire, but it doesn't expire just, you know, oh, cute baby. I mean, like, we got to stop looking at babies and going, oh, they're cute babies. I'm like, that is a soul in a little tiny body that can't figure out what it's doing with itself yet, because it's like, how did I end up in this thing, in this mm -hmm. little body here mm. <laughs> and the soul is big right you can look mm. at a baby's eyes and go oh bit different babies different there's a soul spark in every one of us and so ultimately what i believe is that the soul picks up experience along its journey it is not stopped at the line of death that death in itself having popped out of my body and back into my body which is part of where i understood my soul 
and my consciousness are not the same as my body mm-hmm. while the two are connected for me to have this experience talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore my physical form becomes a physical vehicle. The family I'm associated to in that physical form is a vehicle. The society I'm part of is a vehicle, all of which for my soul to work out what it needs to. Mm-hmm. And how many times do you think that uh, we have uh, all the soul keep, you know, picking experience going back? <laughs> is that, that is an ongoing question. <laughs> I do. I, there, there is a whole another study of, of soul science that's, that really looks at young souls and old souls. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's, oh there's my a, gosh, there are some small kids. Sometimes I look at them and say, Oh, this person is like a, you know, 60 year old. My God, <laughs> that is so evident sometimes. Yes. Right. And that's what I was talking about where the soul can eventually sort of burn out. Like the sun is even having a, you know, a grand solar minimum, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> um, but the soul, um, there, it, there's a theory that goes to the fact that the soul mm. in its, um, age the age of the soul sort of like rings on a tree yeah that young souls are more concerned with violence and and abusive behaviors and intoxication and things of that nature and yet old souls Mm. as a collective we actually have soul families so not only do we have the family we come into but we actually have the soul family that we come to so the Mm. people born in america are in a different soul family experience than the soul family experience of those of you in Europe. Mm. And that there's a different, there's an evolution. Europe, if you look at the soul family of Europe, Europe has gone through incredible unrest and trauma and, and, and destruction over the course of the past several thousand of years. Mm-hmm. And yet America is a young society. Mm-hmm. It, we haven't come to this sort of like, Hey, so who cares if I'm sitting with seven different mm-hmm. ethnic groups and religious mm-hmm. groups in this table, I don't have to call it out mm-hmm. because it's an older soul experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's not to say that's always true because we move around. Yes, of course. And, and I'm from Africa as well. So, you know, yeah. so obviously I live in Europe, right. but you know, but we, yeah, we, another thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but we align with where our soul family is. So some people might be born in the United States and yes. say, gosh, I feel so good when I go to this place on the yes. planet and these yes. people. Yes. Um, and so the, the part of that whole soul science, which again, this is that you can Google all this stuff. Yes. It's <laughs> fascinating. But it's always, it's just always been to me like, if we look at human suffering and we look at human salvation and we look at the messages that have been given to us by our master teachers, that what they are in essence telling us, if we strip all of it down and get rid of all the division, it's like be connected to the source of what is, Hmm. to who you are, because you are a divine extension. Hmm. And if you live that way, whether you're a young soul or an old soul, Mm-hmm. then the path of least resistance is easy. You know, it's a, it's a much easier path than struggling and fighting and violence and all that mm-hmm. nonsense. Mm-hmm. And that the soul as it ages becomes wiser mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in what it needs to fight and what it doesn't need to fight. So now let's talk about money. Yes. <laughs> what are the currently the ways that you currently make money mega? I currently make money through, I have a uh, software client, as I've mentioned, I, um, I, I attract uh, clients to me regularly. And usually I have like random gifts of abundance that show up in my life. 
that, mm. you know, that I didn't necessarily plan. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. So um, how actually, um, you know, again, we were talking about, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, soul and conscious and things like that. But now uh, this question is that sometimes money is often seen as good or bad. So yeah. I wanted to ask, what is your relationship with money? Well, my relationship with money is a sorted relationship. Um, I still have money stuff I work on. I, I've come a lot further. So now I actually respect money, mm. money. And um, oftentimes we fear money. We end up in scarcity, of course. You know, we either hoard money mm. or we don't have enough of it. Uh, and so for a long time in my life, I, it didn't matter how much money I had, I never had any money. <laughs> it just would flow right through. We had a very fluid relationship with each other. Um, and today I think that I have more of a, um, peaceful, accepting relationship with money in that I, I trust its flow. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I look back at my whole life and even in the times when I didn't hold on to it, I've always had money that flowed to me. Mm -hmm. I've never been unemployed and penniless, even if I've had some bad financial times. But yeah. um, I would say that my relationship with money is about trust and respect right now. Mm, that's beautiful trust and respect that's wonderful so um yeah. how would you um actually what would you say is your perspective about people actually today who perhaps may be doing something that they love but don't get very paid well for it and then people have perhaps a lot of money but doing something that they don't really love how can we do both what we love and get paid well for it ask the question. I go, you have to tune in to what actually brings you joy. Mm. If you will do what brings you joy and not necessarily what strategically looks like will bring you money. Yeah. You will have much more money. That's, that, <laughs> that is counterintuitive though. Unpack that one for us. Um, Usually, well, of course, it's not counterintuitive, but you know, I, 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 it's I, the opposite I, of what we've been taught. Yeah, exactly. Yes, because they say, yeah, you just go for whatever is making money and just do that. But obviously, you can't sustain that. You know, this is not going to be sustainable. <sighs> yeah, yes, tell us, tell us your perspective about so, that. So, so what it comes down to is that when you are not in joy, going back to that vibrational frequency I talked to about earlier. If you are going to work um, with this sense of oppression, like, oh, I hate this job. <laughs> and, or, or people get into business and they hate their business. They yes. just kind of get kicked out of the corporate world and they turn around and jump into the boat that's the business of the same thing they didn't like in the first place because it was yeah. what they knew. Yeah. And then they wonder why they don't make money. Well, <laughs> so uh, the thing is, is that if you, Go to joy because joy is the high frequency. What is high frequency? What are you doing in your business that brings you a feeling? Mm. What do you dread in your business? Get rid of it, hand it off to someone, delegate it to someone because not, I do not like doing accounting. I don't do accounting. I have an, I have an accountant for that. Um, you know, I love doing writing and marketing. So I don't outsource that even though I could actually use some help because I don't have the bandwidth, but it's my thing. It's what I enjoy. Mm. Um, and so even if I don't do it re regularly and consistently, the minute I do it, I, I attract more money. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so your, your joy will directly translate to where you feel good in creating that, that wealth in your life because 
um, like I'm pretty sure Elon Musk loves building things, right? He loves inventing <laughs> new stuff because he's like a little he's kid. Daddy. Exactly. I mean, I, and I don't care if he ever interview when he's intense <laughs> trying to explain things to people who are not getting it. He's just right. people and say, you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, and, and Richard Branson. Richard Branson yeah. is so committed to play. It is yeah. so. I mean, if you look at the wealthiest people in mm. the world and say, what is it that yeah. makes them wealthy? And and even people that you yes. really might have a judgment about. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what are they doing <laughs> that that gets them to have so much money? Now, yeah. you know, the, uh, for some people, I'm pretty sure they have joy controlling other people, and they make money at it. You know, like. <laughs> So, I mean, to the point that whatever brings you joy, even if yes, you are a narcissist, you will be good at if you make money. Yes, and so that's sometimes why we get kind of frustrated with people. You're like, oh my God, that guy's such a raging a-hole, yes. but how does he have that much money? And it's like, well, he enjoys what he does. Exactly. Yes, very great insights because we love, yeah, exactly. Whatever our judgments will be, but enjoy that bit. That's why. I often say, uh, to add on to that for a moment, there's a there's a uh, there's a connection between pleasure and money, mm. which is why a lot of times people are broke, is because they've been told that it's not okay to have pleasure. Going back to something I said much earlier about getting in your body, about dancing, about movement, about having yes, I'm going to say it, having an orgasm. <laughs> You know, the thing is, is that people oftentimes shut off their money because it doesn't, it's not prudent. Mm -hmm. It's not time for that. I can't do that. I can't afford it. And so if we look at what stops it, it usually comes back to being overly practical, mm -hmm. overly responsible, yeah. and overly judgmental of yes. yourself Everything. and whatever the circuit yes. is. Yes. So yes. back yes. to joy. Yes. And going back to all those low vibration thing of shame, judgment, and all those. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow. That, that's very, very insightful. My gosh. <laughs> I'm getting lots of ahas here. <laughs> so that's all. So now let's talk about building a movement. So which mm -hmm. movement are you leading or would like to lead or be part of? The movement I am leading is of it, that it is okay to be both incredibly ambitious and wealthy and conscious and kind, that those all can go together. Yeah, that's great. Amen for that. <laughs> yes, and uh, no judgment, no shame, right? <laughs> right, that it's okay to be those things yeah. and that they can coexist because we live in a world that's currently shaking off its trauma over they can't coexist. Mm -hmm. So uh, business owners especially and, 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 and business leaders who yeah. have people, movements behind them mm. are my people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually that combination, right, of uh, money, consciousness, ambitions, all tied together, you know, so that makes that real beauty out of it. Yeah. So like not just the pursuit of money or just the pursuit of yeah. all the consciousness and then being disconnected to the money part and then getting I, broke. <laughs> I'll put it this way. I, my vision is that my ideal client might live on the top of the mountain and meditate, but they do it on their open air balcony that overlooks the ocean in St. Lucia. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> you can go meditate on the top of the mountain, but you can drive your Land Rover to get there. I mean, like, <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. Those are not <laughs> incompatible, right? And um, yes, no, that's great because actually um, usually people have this kind of consciousness or kind of um, uh, how to do some impact. They kind of have some issue with, um, you know, the money part. This is mm-hmm. why I ask this question all the time because yeah. this is podcast is not called Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life by chance, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. So it's like, really, how can we both do both? and we mm-hmm. who say work means like compensation and how do mm-hmm. you get also compensated well for what you do but because you are not Marda Teresa you can't just be living on uh, you know uh, as we say in French on water and um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, of uh, love and water oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right exactly and and and, and one of the things that I uh, got way back when I first started doing my work is that Mother Teresa, there was a, actually, you bring up Mother Teresa, the example was it took millions of dollars to make Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa. Mm. And, you know, she did the things she did in the world, but she had to fly there. She had to have people care for, you know, and so there's oftentimes this dysmorphic relationship with money. It's just like a body dysmorphia, like, oh my gosh, I hate this about myself. And therefore I, I, you know, will dissociate from it. And, and and that relationship with money is that somehow or another, and unfortunately it's a misquoted line out of the Bible, right? Money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the love of, exactly. And, And so it's to really, truly honor and understand that money is simply a reflection of the contribution that you bring in the world. And you say to yourself, well, why is it that there's a bunch of rich people out there that are, you know, heartless or whatever? It's like, well, they still made contribution of some sort. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they were necessarily conscious, but they, you know, they invented something, they created something, they, they created, uh, you know, 5 million jobs with their invention or whatever. And so contribution is the reflection of money. And so they two go hand in hand. And so to me, it just means you have to evolve what you're here to contribute Mm. and the money will follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that, uh, that you bring that comparison because sometimes people say, well, you know, some people are just, uh, you know, making money in their businesses, getting rich, 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 richer, but they are also making that great contribution. Like, you know, if we take, yeah. for example, Bill Gates, for example, yeah. people will be criticizing him that he didn't give away when he was like uh, building his company, he's only now that he's doing the contribution. Yeah. But, you know, you can't also do contribution if you're not earning anything, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and also his contribution is that his uh, whole idea that, you know, he will have one computer in each household in America. Yeah. I'm here. Right. I don't even have one computer. I have like, I don't know how many. I know, yeah. I got four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's everywhere across the world. So these, yeah. are, so even if, you know, the, the money contribution was not there. The contribution to the world is immense. Yeah, exactly. It's immense. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That, that's totally right. So, great. So, how would you want to be remembered for, Mega? Hmm. <laughs> I, I think I, I want to be remembered for helping people reclaim what they thought they didn't have permission to have. And uh, meaningly relationship with God, relationship with themselves, um, the taboo things. I'm a bit of a rebel, if you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to know 
And that if they were to look back and say, oh yeah, she was the one that started the movement of women being able to know that they could have awesome husbands and incredible orgasms and mountaintop houses and all of it while they give back to creating a movement in, in some country where it mattered to them so that they changed the lives of those little girls that didn't have to, and thinking of one of our common friends, that changed the lives of those little girls that don't have to walk to school, but they can actually ride their bikes. Like, yeah. and, and, and so it's like that I helped facilitate the support of many people who are legacy makers on the planet. Mm, that's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Powerful. So now what did you learn from all your experience that you most want to transmit to others? Um, that it's easier than we think mm. when we can learn to surrender how it's supposed to be in our minds. Because surrender has been one of the hardest lessons in my life. Me too. <laughs> And yet when I do it, still great things happen. Mm, 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 mm. Yes. Yes. That's, that's very hard to do this surrendering, but yes. What, what will be one tip to give people to start to surrender? (laughs) Um, Stay in the present moment Mm. and stop trying to get ahead of the, um, this is all the one, but stay in the present moment. So you're not trying to get ahead of what is in the present moment. You know, what am I going to do in a year when you can't deal with what's happening in the minute? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yes. And, and to trust that I can't see it, but there's a plan bigger than the one that I have in my head. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because there's an intersection of the people. And, you know, so I'll give you a great example because it leads right here to this conversation. Mm-hmm. I had survived the near fatal car accident. I had learned to walk again. Moira was sitting at the table at the event that I went to. And I mainly pushed myself to go to the event because I was getting an award. I met Moira and we became friends. <laughs> And as a result of the conversation that I've had with Moira, you and I are having this conversation now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And as a result of that, who knows what conversation will come from that. I have no clue exactly how many listeners are going to listen to this. Yes. (laughs) And so the fact that I surrendered to, I would rather stay home because I was in pain and I had to use a wheelchair and a cane and every other thing to get to that award. I had to surrender what was comfortable and I had to surrender what I thought the outcome might be because I had no idea of the people I'd meet that would come from surrendering to that process. Mm, Wow. That's good. That's really fabulous. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. So what would you say is uh, your definition of meaningful work and meaningful life? Um, I think it means that your life work lines up with your soul and that the work you do every day that feeds and sustains you does not take your brilliance of who you are or your soul's path and put it aside because there is not a someday in your life and they must go together. Meaningful work and meaningful life means that the two of them coexist in order that you can thrive on every level. 
this is so powerful, but I don't know why we've been taught otherwise. And we have <laughs> to reclaim, we have to reclaim, reappropriate this thing. It's not separate, right? No, it's, it's not that hard. Both. It is both, really. I can't do my work now and just suck up myself and then this is my life. No, both go together. And yeah. uh, yes, the quicker people understand that, the better because we try to be something in the, our, our work and then some other thing on, in our life. And this is really like uh, very uh, draining, I think, um, yeah. to live this kind of life. So that's beautiful. And finally, finally, your last piece of guidance that you would like to pass to all our listeners to do more meaningful work and live a more meaningful life. Stop listening to the experts and go internal. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of great advice. There's a lot of great strategy. Yes. But none of the strategy works if you don't go and get aligned with you. Yeah. And I think this is the biggest, I think, advice you've given. But I think that it will, uh, you have to do some lot of work to understand that piece. <laughs> and I hope it that... <laughs> I hope that people will understand that piece. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the thing. The thing is, is that we get so overwhelmed with wisdom from outside of ourselves. And I am an infinite learner. I have book, I think in the, thanks to COVID, some people gained COVID 15 pounds. I gained COVID 15 books because like, it's my, it's my thing. Yeah. I can infinitely find another certification or another program. I know that that's my shtick. I know it's, it's my improvement area. And there is a point where if you don't trust your own authority, you become so confused by everyone else's authority. Yes. That you will lose all your money and all your time and all your energy and all your confidence trying to chase everyone else's brilliance who has managed to master their own. So sometimes you have to turn it all off and go, what would I do if I was me? <laughs> you put it so well this is the truth this is the truth because other people have masters theirs the more we consume and then they will keep they will keep pouring great things every single time this is unending this is unsustainable i'm exactly like you you yeah. see the books here but my <laughs> is like 10 times more yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i have also the audible and i have got yeah. all kind yeah. of stuff but I think that definitely, but we have more than enough in ourselves and in our knowledge, but great things are going to come up because we want to know what else is out there. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's like unsustainable because great things are keep, keeping coming all the time, are pouring from all over the places. And it's also a discipline that I have to learn myself um, and just say, okay, now today I'm not looking at anything. I'm not listening to anybody. <laughs> just yeah. doing my own thing it's hard yeah. but it is a true you know this is why i say that it takes a lot of work to really yeah. understand that piece that you just say yeah We've got to listen to ourselves because we have everything in ourselves and we are, can also master ourselves and pouring mm -hmm. those also to other people yeah <laughs> what you are doing now mm -hmm. <laughs> great exactly that's super yeah. <laughs> cool okay now how uh, can you share some resources that our listeners should absolutely know about to live uh, their best life now 
Uh, well, I am going to, I'm in the process of, of kicking uh, off another uh, content uh, stretch in my um, Live Your Super Abundant Life Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So um, if you just find me on Facebook and then track track from there, yeah, um, or um, megasuccess.com, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm getting ready to do, I'm in the process of sort of unearthing myself, as we've talked about, like I have the overabundance of things on my plate. Yeah. And, um, but if you go to megasuccess.com and that's the way to connect with me and stay tuned to the events and things that I have coming up. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the best resource to stay connected to me or what friend me on Facebook or follow me on Facebook. A lot of times I put a lot of writings yeah, on Facebook. Stuff on, on yeah. Facebook. Wow. <laughs> that, it was like a pleasure. Two hours of course. <laughs> Thank you so much for really your wisdom and everything that you've shared with our listeners. It was really a great pleasure. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for the um for for being such a great conversation uh stimulus too, because you, you ask great questions and, oh, and you, you only get great results when you ask great questions. So <laughs> I appreciate it. It's uh, marvelous. If you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur and are struggling to attract and enroll your ideal client, apply to a complimentary mini brand audit session with me so I can look at where you are at with your brand where you want to be and together we'll look at the biggest things that are getting in your way of building the business you're dreaming of. Go to francinebelly.com slash audit that's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash audit. I only have few spots open every week, so you want to go there right now. So thank you for listening. The show notes of this episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage, francinebelly.com slash podcast, with all the references and resources shared on the show. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to show your love and support, share it with your friends and colleagues on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the app where you are listening to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. And leave me also a cool review because it's going to mean that a lot of people are going to see that and it's going to help me spread this message to many more people. I will see you next week for another episode of this season six. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.